0: And now here's the latest team building podcast. Hey, this is Jeff Cohn, owner of Elite Real Estate Systems and our flagship real estate team, Omaha's Elite Real Estate Group and host of the team building podcast with Jeff Cohn, where we interview top level team leaders and broker owners from across the country every single week. We have some awesome guests on the call today. Um, These guys did over 99 transactions last year, just one shy of 100 unit sales for a total of $40 million in volume. They are current ERS clients of ours, Elite Real Estate Systems clients, and have been to our workshop multiple times. They are brothers, they are business partners, and they are bad ASS individuals, and I'm excited to have them on the show today. Scott and Brian, welcome to the Team Building Podcast. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. appreciate you guys taking the time out of your busy schedules. I know you do a lot of stuff. These are family men, um, hard-pressed, hard-working They work out every day. I know Brian's been doing the the whole triathlon thing. Scott's been doing the Kilimanjaro hiking 50 miles and doing all that sort of thing. Um, So these guys live big lives, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. But first and foremost, welcome to you guys to this this, uh, hangout today. And um, as you already know, we have a lot of guests looking to build and scale teams like you have. Um, Today, I'd like to really dive deep into some of the pieces that maybe haven't all come together yet for you two. And the, the failures that you've had along the way, everyone can brag about being awesome. We all have, all have amazing things to brag about. I would like our focus today to be on the areas where you're not awesome. And that always is kind of awkward and challenging. The reason I'm doing this with them is the audience listens to me do this with you and is wondering why because I don't do this very often. I'm pretty close with Scott and Brian. We've spent a lot of FaceTime together. So I'm okay allowing them to be my punching bag. And in doing that in this exercise, we can all learn from some of their mistakes. So the first topic I want to bring up came up prior to us going on live. And that was in regards to partnering with family. Are you guys okay if I share your percentages with the world? Sure, Yeah. sure. Okay, so Brian is a 48% owner of their team. Scott is 49%. Scott is 49%. And their dad is 2% because he wanted to carry the final vote on any major decision that the business made. So they said they have to pretty much wait out until dad passes away before they can assume 50-50 partners. Uh, But their question was just kind of speaking to partnerships with family. They always say don't partner with family and friends. But if you do, obviously make sure you do it the right way. And to me, I think having a buy-sell agreement is super important with any business partnership. Um, For anyone that doesn't know what that is, that's essentially an understanding that if at any point one of the partners wanted to buy and or sell the business, there would be an understanding of how you'd come about evaluating that business and how that buy and sell would take place. So having something like that in place is number one. Do you guys have anything like that in place right now?
1: Yeah, actually, Jeff, when we decided to do this, we had a hard time uh, getting dad to let go, which, shocker, that's Mm -hmm. real estate and real estate and families. But when we did... We sat down with an attorney. We had an attorney write out a buy-sell agreement. We all agreed to it, signed off. Uh, and it was a bit of a struggle to get to that point. Yeah. But we all signed off. And, and, yeah.
2: you know, it and it was more than it was the whole, I mean, it was pages and pages. Like my dad spent a lot of money on an attorney to do that. But yeah. I think he was smart doing that because yeah. we've got other siblings and, you know, he wanted to prevent any questions down the road.
0: Yep. And family always comes first. You know, my brother taught me when I had no money, he always would say the best problems to solve are problems that can be solved with money. And I never really understood that. I never had it. But now I totally understand. His mindset is if he ever makes a loan to someone, it's actually money he never expects to get back when it's family. He expects to never get it back. And if he does, then he just says it's a bonus. And I think going into business with family, obviously you have to respect one another. You have to stay professional as possible, but it's hard because it's family. And with family, for whatever reason, we feel like we can push the envelope, maybe not be as professional as we should be, maybe not show as much respect as we should because it's family. I think sometimes we have the tendency to take advantage of one another. And I'm speaking from my experience of working with my mom and dad. They brought me into the business in 2006. And so I've been working with mom, dad. At one point or another, my brother and sister have been on my real estate team or partnered with me in some capacity. So I know what it's like to work with family.
1: One of the things that we struggled early on with when we took over was really respecting each other's time. And, um, you know, I, oh, I can do this and be late to a meeting with Brian, it's just my brother, or he'd do the same thing. And, and we got to a point where where that came to a head. And we had to say, Hey, we're business partners, let's Mm -hmm. treat this like a business, treat each other with respect, as business partners. And since we've done that, um, you know, we're we're not perfect. Nobody is, but I I feel like I have a great degree of respect for Brian as my business partner, and I always promote him that way to any clients or potential agents that I, that I talk to. Yeah, I
0: love that. Well, very well
2: it, it, and along those lines, Scott, when we we realized that we were setting the example if we were late to meetings, what were we showing our team as we started hiring agents? And you know, when it was just Scott and I, it was different, but or I shouldn't say different, but you know, people see what we were doing. If, if you were late to a meeting or, you know, they were going to do the same.
0: Yep. Good point. The lead, you know, your followers follow your example. So that's a really good point. Awesome. So I like to talk about the three types of teams. You guys have probably heard me talk about this endlessly, which you got number one's your community team where you bring three or four people together. A lot of times families do the community team where you eat what you kill. You don't really bring on buyer's agents. You just share an office fees and overhead ex- expenses, et cetera. And then you have the Rainmaker team, which I know when you guys first started, you were both full-time in production, um, eating what you killed, and you were business partners. And I don't know how you split each other's sales. Some, sometimes family partners will still split each other's sales so they get the benefit off of each other's successes in the sales role. And then the most valuable team and the one that I try to get everyone to submit to or um, subscribe to is the CEO model team, where you can essentially build a business that you would allow you to step out if you wanted to from the day-to-day sales and just focus on the business rather than working in the business. And I know you guys have kind of been in a struggle of getting into that m- more CEO role where you could step out. So where are you right now in that journey?
1: We, we actually, it's interesting that you asked that question because we've actually struggled through all trying all three of those models. Early on in, in our career, we tried to both just uh, split deals together We found that uh, neither one of us really pushed hard to get more deals. We just kind of worked on each other's deals and we both made half the money. Then when we first bought out uh, our parents, we basically just um, shared expenses and did our own deals. Then Brian got us connected with you and we have since gone through a lot of growing pains working towards co-CEO model. Yep. And, and co-CEO has been, that's been a challenge for us to define as well as business partners. Sure.
0: Well, and I know right now, just so the audience knows, Brian works more as the success manager um, and Scott works in the more of a operations manager role. So you could be CEO, COO, each of you has to have a seat in the bus. The biggest thing with partnerships, and this is a two person or 10 person partnership. If one plus one equals two, then what's the point? Other than you might say having fun, it's more fun to have a partner than doing it alone. And I was alone for a long time. My parents brought me on, but I was the one really focused on building the business rather than just servicing the deals. And that's a lonely place. So when I look back at the years that I was grinding it out, I'm so grateful. I had Kevin with me and then Andy and my admin staff, and it felt like I was doing it with a group of people, which was a lot more motivating. So you guys have kind of been in all the roles. You know what the CEO model looks like. What does your team need to do to get there?
2: We've got to have uh, we've got to have more agents and more volume. I mean, it's that simple. I think that we've got the um, we've got the people in place to scale and grow, and it's just it's a matter of time of doing that yeah. and getting the agents up to up to production.
0: Scott,
1: um, I agree. I, I because I focus on operations, I've worked really hard to to set up systems, make sure our systems are <laughs> they're definitely not perfect. But
0: no um, one's ours.
1: Yeah, no one's is. Uh, but we, we feel like we've got a model that we can handle more people. And one of our biggest challenges is bringing on the right people. We don't, we're, we're really picky, actually. And, good. You know, that's well, not the case.
2: And, a
0: lot of yeah, that's good. For a and, team, and we, that needs to be the case. For a broker, they're just putting seats, you know, butts in seats. For a team, you need to have the right butts. Yeah,
2: that needs well, we've, learned that. yeah. we've learned a lot about that. We've learned a lot.
0: Awesome. So I know there's a lot of growing pains. Um, I like to always talk with team leads about the main three pillars of building and scaling a dominant team. Number one is recruiting talent. And then number two is retaining by offering value. And that's part of the systems that we were just talking about. And number three is offering continual training. How do you guys feel like you're, you're ranking up in those three categories right now?
2: So, so I'll speak. Yeah, I'll speak. I'll speak to the recruiting since that's what I'm over as well. Um, Last year we hired. um, We ended up net at the end of the year because we ended up with the same amount of agents, even though we hired. You know, we hired five, and we and we started with five, and we ended up with five. So So basically, we
0: if that makes sense. So totally makes sense. I'm going to pause you real quick because okay. I hear people talking yeah, about that this all the bad. time. And they're like, we added seven agents this year, but we lost seven. No, no, no. And that's awesome. That's great because what you're doing is probably leveling up. You're probably getting better talent. Today, you're in a better place than you were 12 months ago. But what would be even better is if you doubled your recruiting so that your team was that's, actually growing.
2: That's exactly what we're doing this year. So, So in the recruiting efforts, it's really more of a before it was, Hey, let's make some agent calls. Let's, uh, you know, let's, you know, talk to a few agents here and there. And I feel like we have a very focused plan as we've you know, listened to your strategies of recruiting, as we've listened to, you know, a couple others we've imp- we're implementing those plans as we speak to, to kind of, we learned that recruiting is, is a constant, right? You can't recruit a couple and then back off of it. You've got to constantly be putting people well, in the recruiting be- pool you're going to lose people. People, yeah, people won't pick you or they'll go with someone else or whatever else. But, but you know, as we've defined those systems, it's become better and better. And we're getting better, talented people that want to work with us. So pillar one, the value
0: pillar one, recruiting talent, agent talent, staff talent, leverage talent, business partner talent, it doesn't matter. Every person we come in contact with, we should always ask ourselves, what's the best way I can serve that person. So if I meet a buyer's agent at an open house, The best way I think I can serve them is by plugging them into my real estate team, generating leads, holding them accountable, doing all of that. But I might meet somebody else that would make a great acquisition manager for my investment business or might make a great title company employee in my title company. So I'm constantly sizing people up, asking myself, where can I best serve them? Where can they best serve me? And where is that marriage? So we talked about recruiting talent. Let's jump to the flip side of retaining talent because as we've just defined, it's just as hard to retain them as it is to recruit them and your business will never grow if you can't recruit faster than you're retaining so in my experience I've lost a lot of agents that I'm glad I lost it's not always a bad thing but I've certainly lost a few that still sting that I would have preferred not losing that I begged to stay and that I still continue to this day to invite back so for those that those people that you lost why would you guys what would you guys say are the top two or three reasons that you couldn't keep those people within your team
1: that That's a good question. That's my area. And Jeff, I'm going to go way back to a conversation you and I had, um, about how to retain and try to keep talent because we've definitely made all the mistakes. We've held people too long that we should have let go. We've had some people that have left that that have stung and we've wanted to keep them. I, I, I just remember talking about this issue as well as others with you and the thought that comes to my mind and, and I, you know, I'm not trying to Puff you up or anything, but I always go, "Well, what would Jeff do in this scenario?" And WWJD. what I mean by
0: that—that's
1: <laughs> right. What do what I you mean by that? that? The first time that we came <laughs> out to Olaf to, to visit your office, you were constantly asking, "Hey, what did, for feedback? Hey, what did you think about the visit to our office? Hey, what did you think about the content we offered? Hey, what did you think about?" this program or that program. And what I, what I love about that is that you, without having feedback from the people that we're trying to serve, we're really making decisions in a vacuum. And if we don't know what they want or what is value to the agents that we're, that we're trying to retain or for hire for that matter, we can't provide that value to them. So I've constantly started to ask, Hey, is this thing that we're doing for you a value? If it isn't, what would be a value and how do we how do we make it more effective and, and more important for you?
0: I love it, dude. So a book and I looked over my shoulder because I know I have it, but instead of going and grabbing it, I remember the titles Dream the Dream Manager. I don't know if you guys have read that one. I know I've brought that up in the past. Um, Amazing book. And it specifically addresses that where instead of just guessing what we think is the solution to our retention problem or any problem in general, go out and do a survey and ask your people, hey, how can we improve? And Scott, I appreciate you noticing that. That is still a practice that we apply today. Almost every single Monday meeting, I say to my team, hey, you guys, what more can we do for you? What more can our admin staff do? What else can we do in the office? How can we make our office more fun? What kind of events do you want us to host? What kind of training do you want us to provide? Tell us how we can do better and better serve you. And who wouldn't want to be in an environment where your boss, the owner of the company, is constantly asking, how can I be a better boss? How can I better take care of you? How can I better serve you? So I appreciate you noticing that. So For the, for the people that left, obviously, I'm assuming you subscribe to that mindset of being willing to self-actualize and truly invest in your agents. Why did they feel like your team wasn't the vehicle to allow them to obtain the goals that they needed to hit to live and lead the life of their dreams?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, what I love about those kind of like exit type interviews is it's a real, it's a good ego check for a team owner and team owners to say, hey, you know, it's, it's not, once again, we really subscribe to the model that, you, that you've followed, that CEO model that nobody is indispensable. And we can all do better and it's great to hear it from anybody who's made a decision to go someplace else so that we can turn around and try to do better next time cuz man we've made lots of mistakes.
0: Sure. Yeah, one of the things I'll ask I'll, I'll tell my agents if they don't feel like our company is the vehicle to allow them to hit the sales goals to hit the income goal to be able to hit the check the things off their vision board which is their 12 month to 5 year goals, then I don't think my team's the right fit for them. If our business is not the vehicle to empower someone to live and lead the life of their dreams, they need to go find the vehicle that will be able to do that. The sad thing is I'll see people leave our organization, not because it's not the vehicle, but because they're not willing to put in the work necessary to hit the goals, to hit the income, to live and lead the life of their dreams. I'd say a majority of people who've left my organization left because they simply couldn't fly with the birds that are on my team. You know birds of a feather fly together and sing yeah, together, yeah, they simply couldn't keep up well,
2: and that was one of our mistakes that we made, quite frankly, is we put too much faith or or like we wanted it more than they wanted it, and yeah. we had more confidence than they did, and I think it's you know our our desire of wanting to help people, you know yep. and and we learned that you can't you can't want it more than them, they have to have a desire, and you can't instill that desire in them. It's got to come from them. And, and you know, so if we talk about mistakes, that's one of the mistakes we made is, is you know, how do you, you know, we just wanted it more than we, they did. We, quite
0: we make an assumption that is incorrect. And I did this and I still do this to this day, but I did it a lot more when I was younger. And that assumption was that other people are just like me. The other salespeople yeah. are just like me. They're going to sacrifice as much. They're going to cry as much. They're going to bleed, sweat and tear up as much as I am. And the truth is most people are nothing like me. And
1: there's nothing nothing more liberating than having that conversation when we figure that out and hopefully not too late to release them. This is what I say to them uh, when I've had to let people go. I'm going to release you to Mm -hmm. find your passion someplace else.
0: Yeah, we're not the right fit. We're not going to help you achieve your dream. Here's another way to think of it. So, for the agent that comes into our, our organization and they only want to make 50000 a year, we know for them to do that on our team with our average split structure, they need to do about 18 unit sales. It's not my job to tell them how many houses they need to sell or how much money they need to make. They first define what kind of life they want to live. Then they come up with the income they need to live that life. Then we tell them how many sales they would need to generate that income. And then more importantly, how many calls they need to make to have a certain amount of contacts, have a certain amount of appointments, to execute a certain amount of contracts, to make the income that matches the unit sales, that matches their life goals. Totally reverse engineering everything. And the beauty behind that is that when they report their numbers every week and we ask them, how many calls did you make? When they fall short of their call goal, the follow-up question is, which item would you like to remove from your vision board? Nothing hits you stronger than that. That's not Jeff Cohn not getting to go on a trip because they didn't have an extra sale. That's something they're losing in their life. So- for the people that have left that you felt like didn't plug in and you talked about releasing them because they weren't a good fit, let's talk about how you could have maybe changed the way you mentored them, trained them, onboarded them, maybe not hire them from the very beginning. Where do you feel like some of those mistakes might have have been?
2: I don't think we should have hired most of them, to be honest with you, um, because some of them came by virtue of like a referral, some relationship that we had. And so we felt a little bit of an obligation to – To work with them or or at least give them a shot. Um, You know, we were very, very new in terms of onboarding processes and really didn't have very much in place. So, you know, some of that was probably on us as well as as you kind of you know we've learned a lot from them but we have an onboarding process now and and we know when things are going to happen and what needs to happen and what they need to learn we
0: we've hired over a hundred real estate agents to our team in omaha nebraska today we have about 40 licensed that means 60 percent have left over the last seven years and we still don't know dude it's hard to know it's hard to know And we disc them, we we have a long interviewing process um, and we can do podcasts later all about how we do that. But the truth is like, you don't know because you don't know how they're going to respond to your culture, to your systems, to your environment. They might've failed everywhere else and with you, they'll do better. Or they might've done pretty well everywhere else. And with you, they're going to crush it. Or they might've crushed it somewhere else. And with you, they're going to fail. So you really just don't know. So I'm a big believer, as long as the culture fit is there and they're not going to be toxic I like bringing them into our environment on a temporary basis. So we put people in what we call probation when we first launch them, and they have to go through 12 hours of all of our training content. We call it agent launch. And as ERS clients, you get the agent launch courses for free. And within agent launch, they go through all the team trainings, they go to all the events, and they get to make a decision after their agent launch. Usually it's about a three-month period if they feel like we're a good fit for them. And then, of course, we're deciding if they're a good fit for us. And you usually know a lot about someone in that first three months. I don't care if they have a single sale. It's more about how they assimilate into our culture, into our training, into our DNA. And if they're a fit that way, they're going to be successful. It's just a matter of time.
2: Yeah. and But made a sale at that point. Say that again. After night, I said you'll keep them if they're good culture fit, but even if they haven't closed any business.
0: I hope none of my agents are listening, but I don't care if they close a single house in two years. If they're a good culture fit and they're buoying people up and supporting the team, I'll leave them on forever. It's like the water boy on a football team. It's like one of the most important positions because they're the ones that everybody's rallying around. They're the ones that get people jacked up. So I'll take agents that do zeros all day long if they have the right attitude.
1: But, but the reality is most of the time, if they're not a culture fit, if they're a culture killer, they're not gonna be happy, they're not gonna do transactions. And it's just, it's a mutual pain. It, we might as well release them. We kept one agent way too long that really was a culture killer, and he was our first learning experience in mm-hmm. that sense. And it was so liberating. To let him fly someplace else. (laughs) Bye, Felicia.
0: (laughs) Yeah, man, there's nothing better. It's like firing a a sucky client. You know, it's the same thing. You know, if you have this feeling right now, you guys are listening to this and you have an admin person or an agent that when you know you have your Monday meeting coming up and you're going to have to see that person and you're thinking about canceling because you don't want to put one hour in their presence, that person is a bad fit. Either if you're on a team and that's how it is with your leadership, you need to leave. And if that's somebody that's on your team or staff, you need to invite them to leave. What did you say, Scott? You need to release them, release. which I think is a Keller Williams word. Release yeah. them back out into the world, little birdie, go fly away because you're a bad fit for our organization. So we focused on recruiting and retaining. Let's talk about training. Um, I know ERS, Elite Real Estate Systems, uh, for those that aren't ERS clients listening to the podcast, um, we provide group training for team leaders and individual agents. So for team leaders, it's 14 hours of live stream content every single month. And for agents, it's eight hours. The eight-hour agent product is $97 a month. It's a month-to-month program. And then the team leader product is $9.97 a month. And again, it's a month-to-month program. To get through the entire evolution of the team leader training, it takes 12 months. To get through the evolution of agent training, it takes six months. The beauty is when you sign up, you get access to the previous year's content. So if you join the team leader program and only wanted to stay on a month, you could consume all the content. If you have 104 hours um, on your schedule in 30 days to go and consume all that content, but the big value add is access to myself and Andy and the Q and A calls, etc. So from a training standpoint, I'd be very curious, and you can share with our listeners how often does your team and/or do you guys take advantage of the agent training, the team leader training, and then what additional training are you doing for your admin and your agents?
2: Scott, do you want to go over that, yeah. the schedule? Go ahead. So,
1: um, you know, I wasn't kidding. I really wasn't buttering you up when I said, you know, what ask the question, what would Jeff do? We've actually modeled our training that we do in-house in conjunction with what we train with ERS and the agents. We actually have our agents. We have a launch program that we've set up for our new agents, and as a piece of that, we have them watch. ERS trainings. We uh, encourage our agents to watch both of the ERS agent trainings every week.
0: Let me speak Uh, to that quick, just so the audience knows what what you mean by, as you differentiate those two. Every Monday at 1115 Central, Our team does a topical training. We stream that to all of our ERS clients, but it's actually being streamed out of our production studio in Omaha with our flagship team in Omaha, which is the number one team at Berkshire Athlete Home Services nationwide. And then Wednesday, we do a Zoom group call. Similar if you're watching this on YouTube, similar to this Zoom podcast that we're doing right now, but there's about 50 or 100 people on the Zoom call on Wednesday where we do dialogue training. So your agents and or yourselves can get on and actually see each other's faces and role play. But if you're scared to do that, you also have an option to be a fly on a wall and just watch the live, live feed and you can instant message, ask questions, et cetera, to that team leader that's, that's uh, presenting that training that day. All right. Sorry. Yeah,
1: and, that, and that's huge because especially our newer agents, they need interaction, they need to hear from a source outside of Brian and me that what we're teaching them in, in our inner office trainings is exactly what they need to hear. And so we combine that launch with ERS. We believe also that um, role play and practice is huge. So right after our uh, weekly team meeting, we, ha- we go into a training and then we ask our agents to role play. We ask our agents to find a role play partner. Love it. And I- inside the office or outside the office. Now, I'll be honest, one of the dysfunctions that we're struggling with is, is pushing to hold them accountable to that weekly role play. Yeah. We, we keep working on it because.
2: Well, and, and a daily role play, too, for you know, 15 yeah. minutes a day as well.
0: Well, and I've heard a lot of successful teams will do huddles every day, 15 minutes a day. If they have a really strong outbound sales presence, they'll get together before their outbound calls or if you have a call night. Um, Role play on date night. Don't take that the wrong way. Everyone's spouse is love to beat them up. So ask your spouse to be like the worst case scenario seller, the worst case scenario buyer. Allow them to challenge you. These guys are laughing. You're now embarrassing me as my face getting red.
2: Uh, it just goes back to, like, our previous call we had with you was along those lines.
0: <laughs> it probably was. That's a different podcast for another day.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm having a good time with you guys. The, the sum up is, honestly, tra- training is huge. Training is huge, especially for newer agents. And we found, really, um, the, the training content that we get through ERS is awesome. Uh, Brian and I went through the 12 month program. We kind of, we watched it again for another 12 months. And then we, we assigned our team lead who does accountability coaching. She'd be like equivalent to your Andy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, to go log in and do the team leader training. And, and then we talk about it. We, we talk about ways to implement aspects of, of what you do in our business. And it, it's hugely helpful. I mean, awesome. coaching is coaching is critical for success oh
0: for sure the, um the team leader training just so anyone that's on here hasn't looked into that at all on our website it has unlimited seats in the agent training product so if you're an enterprise a brokerage account if you have more than 50 agents we have a special offering for Brokerages that essentially have more than fifty agents that want to have seats in the agent product. So reach out to me um, privately if you want more information on enterprise. But if you're just a team lead with less than fifty agents, you get unlimited seats for your agents in the agent training. And then on that team leader product, we had talked about doing that group Zoom call every Wednesday when we do dialogue for your agents. We do a very similar group Zoom call just for team leaders every Thursday at eleven fifteen. And what's cool about that is we deliver four different topics a month, but there's thirty minutes of QA after that call. And then the last thing that I don't know if you guys have taken advantage of, but you should, if you haven't is we have four or five coaches identified, not coaches as much as we call them success managers. They're subject matter experts. They're ERS clients turned subject matter expert. And we'll continue to grow this list as people kind of pop up, but people can get onto our website, um, ask if they're clients and, um, schedule 15 to 20 minute discovery calls with the subject matter experts, strategy calls for free. There's no additional cost for any of that. So, for anyone wanting to learn more about ERS coaching, go to eliterealestatesystems.com. Also, want to invite everyone out to the team building summit. Brian and Scott, you both get a free invitation for being podcast guests of ours today, um, June 24th through June Thank 26th. You. Yeah, no problem. We're going to be hosting the team building summit in conjunction with Omaha's college world series championship game. So the championship game gets played on June 25th um, in the evening. We're going to buy all of you tickets. If you buy a VIP ticket, um, we'll get you tickets to the game. And then that also VIP ticket includes front row seating at the event, all of your meals paid for at the event, um, a VIP lunch with all the top team leaders and keynote speakers during the event. Um, it'll be a great time. We've got the CEO of viral marketing, Rockerbox, Sisu, REI Vault, WiseHire, um, HubSpot, not HubSpot, HomeBot, and the Millionaire Mindset, Maddie Aitchison. All those people are going to be there. And then I've got VIP team leaders from all over the country across multiple brokerage brands, Keller Williams, EXP, Berkshire Hathaway, Home Services, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they're all top level agents like Brian and Scott here today. So Brian and Scott, um, what can our audience members do for you? Can we refer business to you, like, how can we help you guys for taking your time out of your busy days today for us? Uh, no, we,
2: yeah, that's, that, that is a good question. It caught me off guard, but, um, we just, it's, it's sometimes it's nice to hear, you know, the success stories, but more importantly, the struggles as well. Cause, uh, you know, a lot of times you get on one of these and an agent says how great they are and how much they're, team is done but then their their family life is a mess or you know something like that and so it's you know it's a challenge to keep it all together at times but you know it's it's great to go to events like what you're talking about because you kind of you know for the most part you're going to see what people are really like and you know, there's, you really get to know someone and, and, you know, having someone that you can call out in a situation or send a text to, and, and just a quick question is really helpful. That's and, you, you know, I, I, I'm open to that and Scott's open to that. So, you know, um, I don't know if you're going to put our contact information here, but we're, we're both happy to, to network and, and answer any questions that we can help anyone with. Yeah. What's well. the best
0: way for someone to get in touch with you? Just throw out like an email address or a website.
2: So um, my email is Brian B-R-Y-A-N, at Colmere Realty. That's C-O-L-E-M-E-R-E, realty.com. And Scott's is the same thing, but Scott at Colmere Realty. Okay, Welcome perfect. to reach out. You can get our phone numbers on our website, colmererealty.com.
0: Perfect. So, of course, referrals coming your way. You guys are in what area of Utah? <laughs> uh,
2: we're Salt Lake County, Utah County, Davis County, kind of the Wasatch Front.
0: So if you're an agent in that area, an admin in that area, or you have a referral for that area, reach out to these guys. They're awesome. Um, I can vouch for them. I've known them for several years. Would love to have you guys come out this summer. Another thing about our event is it's not a sellout event. And what I mean by that is I only bring in sponsors who I personally have used. Whereas a lot of events I go to, the person putting on the event just lets anybody be a sponsor. I only bring in the people that I know are going to actually benefit your business. The other thing is all of the VIP team leaders and keynote speakers and myself are everywhere throughout the entire event. We don't leave. Most of the events I go to, like the person that you want to spend time with, you never even get to say hello to. I will be there to shake every hand, get pictures with every person, answer any specific questions that anyone has for me as both of you will confirm I make myself very available, probably too available, which is the, why I'm a 99. I, I just absolutely love interacting with people. So I will be at the entire event and so will all the other people I named. We're going to have a ton of fun after hours every night. We have different social events. We have a tailgate after the game. That's going to go to like one in the morning. I got a DJ. It's going to be a good time. So if you guys can make it work this summer, um, the go and buy your ticket today. We'd love to have you there. And of course, both of you are welcome to come for free. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. All right, you guys. Hey, just as a shout out to Brian and Scott, be sure to go out on iTunes, give them a five-star rating for this uh, episode. And just a quick shout out to them of a bit like your major takeaway and give the shout out to the Colmere, C-O-L-E-M-E-R-E, just to let them know that they're awesome and how you were able to get major, massive, crazy value out of this podcast episode. Until next time. Thank you, gentlemen.